0: Two guys, two topics, two opinions. Utah, give
1: me two. This is the split story of the day. On 97.5 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Keith Smith is with us from Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM. Is there a guy out there for five, six million the Jazz could
0: bring in that could make a difference?
1: Yeah, I think there is. There's going to be 200 players hit the
0: market as free agents. That's about 40% of the league. And only 13 teams or so are
1: going to have any kind of meaningful cap space. And some of those teams are going for the max free agents. So there's going to be a lot of very good players, guys people know term rotation players that are going to have to sell for part of the exception or smaller deals or even minimum contracts. So there should be a lot of good guys you can get around the edges. Gordon, free agency is right around the corner in this year's free agency in the NBA. Uh, should not disappoint, and there are rumors out there that actually involve the Utah Jazz. Uh, You've been talking about this for a while now, uh, Gordon, but uh, Tony Jones reported over the weekend that Tobias Harris has strong interest in the Jazz, and the Jazz have strong interest in Tobias Harris. Uh, Tony adds also that uh, because of the Conley trade financially, it's very unlikely. It would be very difficult to do, but uh, regardless, there is mutual interest out there in Tobias Harris. And then Tony also added... Uh, yesterday that there's uh, that Bobby Portis has interest in coming in and playing for the Utah Jazz
0: yeah and this is good news for the jazz that these this caliber of player is interested in coming to Utah I mean there's a lot of things we've talked about this a lot but there's a lot of things to like about what's happening here some of it has to do with the players who are in the fold some of it has to do with a great coach Quinn Snyder who is highly thought of around the league. And, uh, and players do want to come here. And agents know that if their player comes here, chances are they're going to have one of the better runs of their entire career. And I think that's true for Tobias Harris. I mean, I know the situation in Philadelphia. I, you know, I don't know how he feels about that, but uh, I, I, I'll say it this way. I was informed long ago that he liked it here. And I've stood by that for months now, and uh, continue to stand by that. And others sounds like that's what they're hearing as well. But can the Jazz do it, Jake? You're the capologist around here. What would they have to do if he really
1: wanted to come? What What could they do? In all honesty, Gordon, I don't think I don't think that there's much that they could do, especially if Tobias wants to to get the max, because it would be. I mean, I don't even know how they do it if in order to get that kind of money under the cap, they would have to move pieces that they have now around, possibly some sort of sign and trade maybe with Philadelphia. But they I mean, why would they be motivated to do that unless the Jazz sent back something of of real value? And so I think Tony's 100 percent right uh, that it is extremely unlikely, likely financially. But, you know, if there's one thing we learned about LeBron going to Miami is that in the NBA, (laughs) <laughs> Anything's possible yeah. if you're motivated to do something. True. Uh, but I, I would say the most likely outcome is if, if Tobias were to come to the Jazz, what well, would be that he would have to take significantly less than he possibly could other places. What, what would be the most convenient way to manage it? Let's say
0: Tobias Harrison really wants to come here, but he wants his money too. What would the Jazz? Could the Jazz do it? And keep Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell in place. Uh, I think it. Uh, yes, I think it's possible.
1: They would have to obviously move other parts. Right. You're now we're talking about Joe Ingles. We're talking about Dante Exum. But we're and then what? What they, player, they'd have to renounce? Obviously, favors rights. What player on the Jazz roster,
0: other than the ones I just mentioned, are in Harris's league? Nobody. All right. Boy, can you imagine that? I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what they'd have to give up. But Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell,
1: Tobias Harris, Rudy Gobert in your starting lineup. That's formidable. I mean, they'd be razor thin because, I mean, they'd be filling out the roster with, uh, you know, veteran minimums and that sort of thing. Well, we've talked about this
0: in the past. The Jazz are good at finding sort of diamonds in the rough or at least serviceable players who might be able to come in and do it. And look, I don't know whether this one. All I know is that this Harris is intrigued by playing for the Jazz. 20 points a game, eight rebounds, nearly three assists. I mean, this guy
1: can play. Well, and I think the it's no coincidence that we see uh, Portis and Harris mentioned because the Jazz have a role for that type of player. player. This would be a situation where they would step in and immediately contribute to a role that the Jazz desperately need. That's to spread the floor, be able to play and defend that four position, and both those guys, Portis and Tobias Harris, fit that to a T. Right. Portis now would be, um, I don't know about, well, significantly less expensive, and he's a restricted free agent, so there's that chance that Washington would, would possibly want to retain him, but... I mean, both those guys can stretch the floor at that position, and dude the Jazz really for, need that. Dude shoots
0: 40% from three.
1: Right. So, uh, I mean, maybe we should give these players more credit for uh, intelligence about their careers where uh, and not be surprised in the slightest by these guys because they're probably smart enough to look at the landscape of the NBA and say, I can step right in here to a playoff team that has a real shot, and I would play a real role. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I, yeah exactly all that true. And I think that agents and the players are especially one that has a certain mindset that winning is important to him and a certain environment environment is important to him and a certain coaching style is important to him and uh, surrounding yourself with a certain brand of of teammate is important. yeah, it it, uh, it makes some sense now. Will it happen? Can it happen? What needs to happen in order for it to happen? Uh, th- those are the big
1: sticking details. So Cody tweets at me, and I get this question a lot. Uh, he says, why can't they just go over the salary cap to get Harris? And I've seen this from a lot of fans uh-huh. out there that that send a lot of uh, shade the franchise's way. Like, come on, don't be cheap. The rules in the collective bargaining agreement state that you cannot go over the salary cap to sign someone else's free agent. You can go over the salary cap to sign your own free agent, Uh but you cannot go over the salary cap to sign uh, an unrestricted free agent. So,
0: and that's the reason they would have to move other pieces.
1: Right, because they're basically up against the cap, more or less, if they keep favors, keep netto, and make this trade for Mike Conley, which is obviously going to happen. And they wouldn't be able to, the only thing they'd really be able to spend is the $4.7 million dollar Exception that they qualify for, and then sign veteran minimums contract. So you can go over the cap to sign somebody to a veteran minimum, uh-huh. but you can't. It's it's just not as simple as saying, "Well, go over the cap. Who cares? He's a great player. Go get him." I'm sure the Jazz would, if yeah, that were that yeah. were in the rules. I'd but write. they'd have to make room under the cap, and uh, that would mean parting ways with Tony Bradley, Dante Exum, Derek Favors, and Howell Neto. And don't forget that it's not that easy to... Well, it is easy to not pick up Favors' option or not pick up Netto's, but you'd have to find a home for Tony Bradley and Dante Exum. And that might be doable. Might be. You'd probably have to maybe include some draft picks to sweeten the pot on those two players. Okay, Uh, look, this is something... And and Harris would still have to take less because Philly can offer him the most. Sorry. Yeah, so it depends on what's important to to, uh, Harris.
0: So... Let's just pretend here. let's say that this deal can really happen. What would the jazz do to fill out their roster?
1: well you would you would see the likes of George Niang and uh, probably Royce O'Neal in that uh, equation would would stay. He's well, those not... guys are capable yeah. So maybe these second-round picks, they drafted three of them. Maybe they would have uh-huh. the potential to make the roster. And then you're looking at, you know, you, you saw what the Lakers did last year when they went out and signed, say, Lance Stevenson or Rajon Rondo. You're looking at those types of, those types of veterans.
0: If the Jazz did that, Jake, I, and I really believe this. There was a time when I wasn't so sure, but I really do believe that they would go out and get the kinds of individuals who would add to the locker room. Uh, environment in a positive way now how capable they would be on the court that would be something that would uh, be left for quinn snyder to get the most out of them but i think he probably could do that i i would you okay so would you do that deal would you unload those players you just talked about in order to get tobias harris
1: i would I think it's a significant enough upgrade at that position. I mean, you'd have to find somebody else to back up Rudy, and that would be that would not be easy. Yeah. Yep. I I think most
0: Jazz fans would be pretty excited about this prospect.
1: Well, I think, and this is something we've discovered throughout the years. For the most part, your NBA champions are not the deepest teams; they're the teams with the top end talent, the best players. Yes. And I mean, we saw, uh, you know, we saw Miami. It, it was tough for them to get there the first year with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh all together because they still had a little bit of feel- filling out of the roster to do. So it's not everything, uh-huh. but once you saw them add a couple of role players, I mean, they were or unbeatable. So it's it's not all about the top end talent, but for the most part, Gordon, it's about the top end talent. The the when the Warriors had a chance to get Kevin Durant, you know. They let Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut go, and and they went and got that top-end talent and made them one of the best basketball teams ever assembled. Yeah, it's it top-end talent,
0: but it, there's the other factors as well. They have to be able to play together. They have to coexist happily, all those things, because you don't want things blowing up in your locker room, guys getting selfish. But that's one of the reasons I think that there is so much interest here is because this particular player is— has that kind of makeup, that kind of character that would work here. And so, can they pull it off? And that's the big question. Like Tony said, it's probably a long shot, but, man, it sure would be interesting. And I think it would fire up this fan base in a way that people would be more excited to see this team play this year than since the Stockton Malone finals years.
1: Well, if you could piece those four players together, there's not really a better you know, top-end Western Conference team out there, as it stands right now, you know, maybe LeBron and, and Anthony Davis add something uh, special. They would have to
0: add something really special. right?
1: But that puts you ahead of Denver, puts you ahead of Portland, puts you ahead of Oklahoma City. Puts you in contention. It does. It, it, you know what? And you can make a really strong argument that they're in contention right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. And well, adding... I already have made that argument. And, uh, yeah, So, the, but you, you keep accumulating pieces. And Jake, I mean— you and I have been around the block a little bit. We don't uh, – I don't think we get all excited easily about this sort of thing. This would be
1: huge. It moves the needle. Yep. And if the Tobias thing doesn't happen – because I, I – Tony also mentioned it in a, in a subsequent tweet, and of course check Tony's stuff out at The Athletic, does a great job uh, covering the Jazz. He, he said Tobias' is number one, his most preferred uh, destination is still Brooklyn. So – it, you know the the odds of it happening are are unlikely, but you you like to hear that the Jazz are out there exploring yeah. all of this, and mm-hmm. and I would guess that they'd be very aggressive to make that happen and, and make that possible. And then to hear that news about Portis, uh, now he's he's doesn't have the best reputation in the Someone locker punch room. Somebody he punched Nikola Mirotic, but broke his uh, uh, I think broke his nose. I mean Nikola was si- he was sidelined for months, so you know. He's got a little baggage, a little history, but we've talked about this before. The Jazz have a really strong locker room, and they've got a strong leadership uh, 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 structure. And his that, game really that,
0: fits what the Jazz need. Remember that time Austin punched you, broke your nose? No, I yeah, don't. You got over that. No, no, that never yeah, happened. And that worked out, you guys are uh, thick as thieves
1: now, yeah. so you can get past that. Well, you never know who was at fault. Not to, you know, the punchy or puncher. We don't know what Miritich did or did not do. So, you know, you never know the whole story. But we talked about this with, with Jimmy Butler when we were having one of those off-the-wall hypothetical conversations. You know, would you sign Jimmy Butler if you were the Utah Jazz, even though he's such a mess in the locker room? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. It's a little risky. And I
0: think that goes counter to maybe some of the things that I already said about what the Jazz look for in their makeup. But I got the impression all along after they – when they made the deal for Mike Conley, I think you and I were of one mind on this. We think that Jazz will continue to make deals of one sort or another. Or certainly being ag- aggressive looking at them. Yeah. And so if,
1: if it's not Tobias Harris, maybe it's somebody else, but I don't think they're done yet. Well, Justin Zanuck didn't sound like he was he was all done yet when he came out after the (laughs) he didn't come out and go after the draft. Okay, fellas, that's it. it. We're good. I'm going to Hawaii now. See ya. No, he he used the word aggressive. In fact, what you know, 15 times in the 7 minutes that he talked. So, uh, and that's we've mentioned this a few times too. That's the luxury of the spot that they're in with Derek Favors' contract, which I'm sure was very much on purpose that they get a week, give or take to see what's out there and gauge this interest when they actually get to talk to these players and their uh, representatives and see what's out there and then make a decision on Derek. They're in a really strong, strong spot. Yeah, and if you love favors,
0: then you may get your wish. You may stay here. And if you think the Jazz need more outside shooting, well, you might get that too. Who knows? You You probably
1: won't get both. But uh, you get one or the other. Well, Conley solves a bit of a problem that they have with Favors. They've got a little more flexibility with Derek. And I talked to Tony about this. The day they uh, the day the Jazz traded for Ricky, Ricky Rubio, I said, what does this mean for Derek Favors? Because the rule of thumb right now in the NBA is you have to have three shooters on the floor at all times for spacing purposes and just the way the game is played okay, now. Okay, so who are the three? So when they traded for Ricky Rubio... You look at it and you said, "Well, there's at the time it was Gordon Hayward until he uh, left there, but plug Donovan Mitchell into the combo, same thing. You got uh, Donovan Mitchell, you've got Joe Ingles, you've got Ricky Rubio, non-shooter, Derek Favors, non-shooter, Rudy Gobert, non-shooter. So how is that going to work? And we've seen Quinn actually do a good job piecing it, piecing together a role for Derek in in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. But now with Conley, you've got Joe Ingles, shooter, Donovan Mitchell, shooter." Mike Conley, 100% shooter. So now Derek fits a little bit better. You can space it a little bit more because you can't just ignore the point guard. Okay, so on the bench, then George Niang shooter, George Niang shooter, Royce O'Neal shooter, and then you're gonna have and to work those other fellows. You're gonna have to work it. Yeah, you're gonna have to work it out from there. But that's that's one thing about the Jazz fans should be super excited about Royce O'Neill's development. Last year he took a big step in the shooting department. A big step, and Gordon. It it was mid season because he did not start off the season shooting all that well, no. and he finished the season really shooting well. So the, that emergence is is a big deal and gives the Jazz some flexibility. But their starting lineup will have three shooters out there. Well, shooters got to shoot. It's well, DJ. Not enough shots to go around with all the shooters. You know, uh, you know the irony of that. By the way, not to get us totally sidetracked on something, but DJ was talking about the Celtics, and it was after Hayward or went or something went there, and his point was that people are going to be unhappy because there's not enough shots to go around. Uh-huh. And we all teased him because he worded it, you know, in a unique way. Shooters. But was he not one hundred percent on the money? Shooters, as usual, he is. Too many shooters. Too many shots, not enough shots to go around for all the shooters. Shooters.
0: Shooters. shooters. Well, the, the Jazz's problem too many the shooters, is like too many they haven't had enough, shots enough to go shooters. Around for all the shooters.
1: Not even close. Yeah. They haven't had that problem. They had too to many, many, many shots available to too few shooters. Exactly. But it's kind of funny about that. DJ was right on the money because as soon as Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward came back and said, "Hey, Hey, boys. I need the rock. Got to get my shots up. <laughs> Everybody else got all dusted. Everybody else was like, hmm, I don't know how much I like this. Tonight, Gordon, the NBA Awards will be announced, and Rudy Gobert is going uh, is nominated, obviously, for his second consecutive Defensive Player of the Year Award, and I think he's going to get it. He should get it. No, uh, no other player affects
0: an entire game like that guy does at the defensive end.
1: I actually think that he deserves it more this year than he did last year. Not that he didn't deserve it last year. Because he I mean, missed so many games. He did. missed so many games. But I, I think more the point I want to make is like his numbers as far as blocks and those sorts of things might have been better last year. But he was a better defender this year. Yeah. He, he plugged into his game uh, the ability to defend the pick and roll. Maybe better than any other big out there, just because he was guarding two guys at was, times, and often. he was using his length and his lateral quickness like we've never seen before. So his block numbers may have been a little down, but his impact on the game defensively, I thought, was superior this year. And it would be a shame if that didn't uh, if that went unrewarded. If
0: I if I remember correctly, he was second in blocks this year to Miles Turner. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I think he had like 187 versus. 199. But I'll say, uh, and I'm writing this, but I'll say it again, that a lot of that has to do with he's a shutdown corner. Quarterbacks don't throw it his way. Players don't challenge Rudy as much as they do many others. His reputation is as uh, long as his reach. And so he gets fewer opportunities for those blocks, but he does hunt them down sometimes. And that gets to what you were talking about, now Rudy does get beat at times, but usually it's because someone else has beat their man, and he's coming straight at uh, at Rudy, and Rudy has to step up. And then sometimes he'll drop it off to to Rudy's original assignment. But Rudy is pretty good at at sort of being in two places at one time. He changes uh, offensive uh, game plans, and that, that's I don't know what more you can ask of a defensive player. That's Rudy Gobert, and I. I think that uh, Rudy has been more valuable than, than, than the numbers, like you said. It's, it's his presence that really, really matters. And I think most people know this. Most people who are uh, watch the NBA on a regular basis are aware of this now. It's common knowledge. But we'll see because sometimes weird things happen. I mean, he should have been an all-star too, but that didn't happen either,
1: right? No, and you could tell he he was disappointed that he was not rewarded with that. There's well, no doubt cried, about it. Remember and Draymond Green made fun of him? See for that him? that bugs me because he was crying about thinking about his mom. He wasn't crying that he was disappointed in not making an all-star t- t- team, which he was, mind you. But it was when he talked about his mom how, that he got choked d- up. How
0: dare anybody make fun of somebody getting choked up over talking about his mom?
1: Exactly. I thought that 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 whole situation was totally misrepresented. I I don't think nearly em, enough people talked about how he was Who doesn't get a little choked up when thinking about mom? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You and I both do on oh, yeah. an emotional day today. I, I mean, mean I, some people really don't like their moms that much, but we do. Okay. Uh so Rudy, I I think he should get it most um uh, prognostications that I've seen out there have uh, have Rudy winning it, and um, most uh, of our NBA daily, this guys, in fact, maybe all of them have told us that they submitted their their votes for uh, for Rudy Gobert. So, do you, you think there's any kind of bias? Do you think there's any kind of East Coast bias
0: or some bias toward a more athletic player, that
1: kind of thing? I think we're past that now. Um, oh, I don't. I I think there's still an East Coast bias out there. As long as, you know, what percentage of our country lives on the East Coast? And even our respected guests that we have. I'll, I'll never forget that conversation we had
0: with Chris Mannix about Rookie of the Year. And it was just like Donovan was being dismissed. Yeah. It's like, wait a second, stop. Stop and look at this a little more carefully. Ben Simmons can't shoot.
1: Nobody seemed to take that into account and saying, oh, yeah, Ben Simmons, rookie of the year. But anyway, I, I do think that that exists. And the fact that, and I know Adam Silver's trying to do something about this, and I hope he does, but the fact that when the Jazz are nationally televised, it's at, you know, 8, uh, let's see, when they're on it, uh, at 8.30, Gordon, that's a 10.30 tip out east. Yeah. Back, back east. Yeah, I got you. it. Mm-hmm. You did that on purpose. I did do that you? on no, purpose, yeah. Did. That's just because you're cantankerous. But I, I think it affects college football. Uh, I think it affects all sports. Pac-12 needs to move their kick times up. Yeah, it affected uh, the NBA ratings last year when LeBron goes out west. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, all of the tip times are, are late and in the middle of the night. They saw ratings take a dive. That shouldn't be shouldn't be a big surprise. So I, I do think there's that bias, but I think there's also the respect for Rudy out there because, the, you know, hopefully these voters are in the know. They're expected to be. And if you're in the know and you watch Rudy on a consistent basis, yeah, you, you can do, see it.
0: You do know. Uh, speaking of bias, I've got one myself. I don't like the way James Harden plays. I don't either. So am I supposed to not? vote for him for mvp would you vote for him for mvp or would you go a different way
1: all right so and, and let's go through all of these okay and, and talk about uh, what we would do if we had a vote uh gordon um james harden statistically had a pretty amazing season especially that one stretch run there when when chris paul was out where he was carrying the globe and tying records from will chamberlain and all this sort of stuff i mean that's that's pretty historic but you but Gordon, I am biased to the two-way player. I am, and maybe to a fault. But I think that Giannis had the two-way season where he was most valuable. Do you have the statistical numbers in front of you on the spot uh, I don't, on the spot here, but, but, but I can look them both up right uh, now.
0: I imagine that Harden's kind of are far ahead of uh, the Greek freak. But I would tend to
1: lean your way on that one. And I heard Daryl Morey spouting the other day about how James is actually a great one on one defender. And oh, I just. Is he now? I, could, I couldn't help but laugh because even if that was true, you know, those complaints that, that Chris Paul reportedly had about James Harden when it's not centering around him just mm-hmm. checking out. Yeah. I mean. It's ironic I'm going to point out this play involving the two players that we're talking about right now, but when Giannis absolutely rifled the ball off of James Harden's head because he wasn't paying <laughs> any sort of attention to what was going on, uh-huh. that is what I find offensive.
0: See, it's yeah, and I agree with you on that. If someone can do something and they don't do it because they don't feel like it, that to me is
1: almost worse than if he can't do it at all. I couldn't agree more. And not just, I mean, not just here or there, but, like, totally just checking out. You know, it's easy when the, the camera's on you and you're playing one-on-one defense with somebody. I guess I'll try a little harder because the folks at home are watching. You know, but if you're not even looking at your man or the basketball, you're just kind of in no man's land and floating because, whatever, your teammates are there to, to play defense, not you. I find that obnoxious.
0: You know, you know what we sound like right now? What? We sound like a couple of old codgers sitting on the sloop, whittling away, yelling at people to get off our lawn.
1: Fair enough. But as long as the word valuable is in that, that, I guess, uh, uh, title for that award, most valuable player, well, Giannis is much more valuable. I think James Harden will get Chris Paul's vote, though. Mm, I don't know. All right, let's uh, let's let's move those on. That was a little
0: joke there.
1: Do you want to sp- – I have both of their stats up, by the way. Do you want to – Yeah, uh- let me hear it. All right, so Giannis, you're looking at 27.7 points per game, 12.5 rebounds. How about this? 5.9 assists. Wow, that's a, that's a really great number for him. Wow. 1.3 steals and 1.5 blocks per game. Okay. And uh, looking at James, 36.1 points per game. How it about that? impressive he does shoot a lot an incredible amount, actually. Uh, Total rebounds per game, he had uh, 6.6 assists, 7.5. He did have two steals a game and .7 blocks per game. Five turnovers. And a usage rate that was absolutely through the roof. As much as I don't like the way he plays basketball, he plays it very well. Offensively, he does. And it it bugs me because he's like that dude who had the cheat code on on the old Nintendo games because he's using every angle he possibly can to be successful, and I find that
0: obnoxious. Did he lead the league in trips to the free throw line? Oh, yeah, by far.
1: Uh, Last time I checked that stat, granted it was during the regular season, but he was ahead by like 100 free throws or something like that. I mean, he was a mile ahead of that. And he's found a way to play the system into his advantage, which is part of the game. Doesn't mean I have to like to watch it, but that's part of the game. Giannis would get my vote. However, I think Harden's going to win it. Do you?
0: mm
1: mm-hmm. like I, I have the vibe, Giannis. All right, this one I think is a much more difficult than people are giving it credit, all right? Uh, rookie of the year. Finalist, DeAndre Aydin, Luka Doncic, Trey Young. Got to go with Luka. See, I think that's what most people are going to agree with and I think that he's going to win. But they had completely opposite seasons, which is is kind of is kind of funny. Luca took the world by storm at the beginning he of did. the year uh-huh. and then when Dallas became more and more out of it, they became they limited his role a bunch and sat him a bunch of games and he didn't close the season with near the the fury that he began it. Not exactly all his fault. No, not at all. But then there's Trey Young, who started off the season a little bit slow and finished the season absolutely gangbusters on fire. And so I think I'll say – I'm going to say Luca Gordon, I'm going to agree with you, but I don't think it's the slam dunk that everybody out there is saying. And I, that's me admitting that I was totally wrong about Trey Young because I didn't think he would be very good. Turned out to be pretty fine. So And, and you know, Atlanta took a lot of heat, but uh, yeah. I, I agree. Both terrific young players. And DeAndre Ayton, I still think is going to turn into a nice NBA player. But those those other two just had better years than he did. Yeah. All right. Sixth man, uh, Montrez Harrell is a finalist. So is DeMont of the Clippers, Demontis Sabonis of the Pacers, and Lou Williams. I go with Lou of the Clippers. Sweet Lou. Uh, Lou had the best year, I think. Yeah. yeah, and he's just stacking up that. He's one of the best bench players of of all time. It kind of it kind of crazy. There's two Clippers there. I think that. That tells you a lot about the Clippers' season this year and kind of what they were all about. Which brings us, Gordon, to Coach of the Year. The finalists and uh, let me screw, scroll down to this: uh, Mike Budenholzer of the Bucks, Michael Malone of the Nuggets, Doc Rivers of the Clippers. I go with Budenholzer. I'm going with Doc. Are you? I, I'm going with Doc, and it's just because I thought, Gordon, I thought when they traded Tobias Harris, who was kind of a one man show for yeah, them through the first like part of the year, was It was a punt. Not kind of like Uh it was a punt. It was a punt. And the way that Doc got the most out of those players and the most out of that team, I think it's his best coaching job maybe ever. Okay. I can buy into that. But, I mean, go with Coach Bud. I, I don't think... Um, and many people expected the Bucks to finish with the league's best record and going away number 1 in the East. I mean, that's that's and pretty they, impressive. And,
0: and in the postseason,
1: they weren't quite ready for that yet, but uh, these things take time. Uh, all right, uh, Gordon, let's go to most improved player. De'Aaron Fox of the Kings, D'Angelo Russell of the Nets, or Pascal Siakam
0: oh, man, that's of the a, Raptors. That's a really tough one.
1: That is a tough one. <laughs> I think there's a pretty firm number one, but that's pretty hard. Who? Who you going? Pascal Siakam. man. Well, they did win a title. Uh, now the votes for this came before, of course, the the playoffs. But I've thought that all year long. He was marvelous you just for the like Raptors. Because this year.
0: he's an Aggie from New Mexico State.
1: I do like his background. Yes, I love his story. He has a great story, and the fact that he did come up through New Mexico State. I remember when he played up against UVU. All those guys really made a giant step forward this year. And then, uh, of course, Defense Player of the Year, the finalists are Giannis, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. And I, I think Rudy Gobert is your is your choice there. Yep, that's where I'll go. Uh, all right, we'll have more of the big show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.